0: You are listening to Artistic Finance, Show 82. On today's show, I chat with producer and host Rye Myers. We discuss forming an entertainment LLC in New York, producing a one-night cabaret, hiring a career coach, using a part-time assistant, and Rye's weekly in-person Broadway talk show. If you enjoy this episode, please remember our fee for listening. That fee is to tell somebody about the show and let them know why you like it. Artistic Finance has grown thanks to listeners like you who have mentioned the show to others. So thank you in advance, and without further ado, let's get to the show.
1: You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel interview successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth.
0: Welcome, and thank you for listening. I am your host, Ethan Steimel, and today I welcome talk show host, producer, and your Broadway and entertainment BFF, Rye Myers. Welcome, Rye. Hi, Ethan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the first episode of the new year, So we're recording this on January 2nd, 2022, and the Omicron variant is still messing with us. Broadway is semi-shut down, depending on the day, depending on how much COVID is happening. But it's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year for Rye (laughs) and all of us.
1: It is. Yes. Think positive.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So Rye, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Yes, certainly. Well, again, thank you for having me on and hello to everyone out there. Happy New Year. Um, So my name is Rye Myers. I'm a talk show host, producer, and your Broadway and entertainment BFF. I'm 27. I live in Manhattan and I run rythenewsguy.com, an entertainment um, news platform that focuses on celebrity interviews in the Broadway, entertainment, pop culture world, also on content such as video, print interviews. And I've run it since 2015. Uh, I've been Honored and blessed to interview some of the biggest people uh, in our industry that we know and love. Uh, You know, Nathan Lane, uh, Laura Bonanti, Billy Porter, George Takei, Matthew Broderick, and so many others. Um, And then I also run Rye Entertainment, which is my production company I run. It's a production company that focuses across the spectrum of digital live events, you know, live theater, uh, TV and film music and all that good stuff. You know, I always say to people about me, you know, I sort of want to be the the next Ryan Seacrest of my generation. Obviously I'm my own self. I'm, you know, your Broadway and entertainment BFF, but a lot of people always ask, you know, what do you want to do? You know, and I use him as a inspiration and, um, Yeah, I'm celebrating four years here in the city as of the other day. A lot of exciting things happening in the new year. Very happy to be here. And that's a little bit about me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on four years in the city. Thank you, thank you. I know, I can't believe it. That's a milestone. Every year is a milestone to see who's sort of left, who's still here. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to talk about all of your sort of like, just everything that you're doing, specifically about your production company and sort of how that works logistically and financially. Before we get there, can you describe your demographics?
1: I am a male. I'm 27 years old, um, white male, single. And my education is I went to William Patterson University I, uh, for broadcast journalism. I did two years at a community college and then two years at William Patterson University in Wayne, New Jersey, majored in broadcast journalism. Um, great, great location. Uh, it was about 30 minutes away from the city. And then geographic background. Uh, I'm from suburbia, New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, across the bridge. Our city growing up was Philadelphia. Um, so from, you know, suburbia and now living in the city.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And actually, I didn't realize you were so close growing up. So I was like, oh, congratulations on four years in the city, which is amazing. <laughs> yes, But uh, Philadelphia is not so far away. No,
1: we were about 20 minutes from Philadelphia. So that was our city. But New York, we were a good two hours away from. So, you know, it's still far.
0: All right. So now your creative and financial personalities. What is a live event that you like to experience? or a piece of art that you like?
1: Oh, that is a tough one. I would say the live experience that I love, obviously seeing theater at a Broadway show, of course, there's nothing like it. And then um, also concerts, you know, I. Been on a concert game sort of the last two years. I saw my first concert in 2018, so I've been on a concert sort of role. So that and live theater of any uh, sort, especially now with everything reopened, every time I experience them, especially theater, it just feels like I'm you know back at my first time seeing a show. The feeling is just incredible.
0: Wow, that's amazing that you saw your first concert in 2018. So you so you have three years of concert experience. Two of those years have been COVID. So what's been your Best concert that you've seen?
1: Oh, God. Well, my best concert I think I've seen, and it's tough because I've seen so many legends, I think is Elton John in March of 2019. Um, I saw him at MSG. He's one of my favorite performers of all time. Phenomenal concert. But I also have to say, literally weeks before the city shut down, in February 28th of 2020, I saw Celine Dion. At Barclays, that concert was freaking incredible. I mean, it was Celine and I was so happy to finally see her because I didn't think I'd be able to get out to Vegas before she closed her show. And that that was an experience. So I've made it a point to only see legends in concerts, you know, those who perform and actually sing and don't lip sync. So, but like in that same breath, I saw Pink, what she does in her concerts and swinging around with, I mean, no harnesses and singing is incredible. But I think Elton John for sure. In fact, I see him again in February from a rescheduled show that was supposed to happen in April, 2020.
0: So, (laughs) oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And Celine Dion is one of my favorites because I saw an interview with her once and she said happiness is a choice. And that has always stuck with me.
1: Wow, that's a good. Yes. Yes. Uh, Words of wisdom from Celine.
0: All right. Your (laughs) financial personality. Are you good or bad with money?
1: I'm in the middle. I would say I'm both good and bad. There are times where um, recently or I've gotten obviously a lot better. In these last few two to three years, really good with money and understanding sort of the value of saving and you know credit and you know investing and everything. But for a while, um, and I still sometimes fall into tendencies. But for a while, especially in school and as I moved to the city, I was bad with money. I sort of ran up credit cards and didn't understand sort of you know investing and everything, and just didn't think about really the future. Um, And you know, paid a price later on as far as you know having debt, but. Happy to say that I'm, you know, now debt free, of course, from credit cards, and uh, you know, so now I'm, I'm more in the last sort of two years better with money, understanding where it goes, how it works, what to do to sort of make that last and everything. But it's always a work in progress.
0: Okay, I love that you said. Obviously you're better now and that you got better over the last couple of years. Why is it, what's happened in the last couple of years that's that's made you be better with money?
1: The biggest thing is obviously moving to the city and having, being responsible, you know, uh, not only for rent and everything and you know, a life, but I think understanding that like, okay, you know, for instance, I mean, I had almost like $3,000 of credit card debt when I moved to the city and understanding that like, okay, this is not good. It's, it's not only weighing you down, yes, your credit score is good, but it's, you know, it's hindering you from a lot of things. It's also like a burden on you. And then I realized as I wanted to continue to be more successful in what I want to do, you know, I needed to be financially successful and independent. And I'll be honest with you in this last year, even with the pandemic, when we were all stuck at home, I really wanted to learn more about, you know, investing and, you know, setting myself up for the future, realizing and understanding that I'm probably never going to work in a Corporate office space, you know. I mean, and maybe I'll work for a corporate company for a hosting gig or something, but never a company that's going to be, uh, you know, every week getting a paycheck and a four hundred one k. So, as a creative, how do I make sure what I'm doing, which is, you know, as you know, sort of ten ninety nines and everything in between, to be go far enough that I can be by the time I'm, you know, in my you know late thirties or forties, I have enough that I can retire or I can, you know, not have to worry. So. I would say the shift for me was, you know, moving to the city, but also after I paid off that debt, um, when I was, once I was in the city for about a year, um, I realized I was like, okay, I don't want to go back to that place. And I really don't want to experience having that much debt. I need to understand that, you know, you need to look at how you use your finances and, you know, I
0: I absolutely love that. And what I really love is that you just said in my late thirties, I'll have enough to retire. (laughs) I love that you have that in your brain. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Hopefully.
1: My lips to God's ears, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Also, you went to community college for two years and then regular college, normal college. I don't want to say normal college. I assume that was a financial decision. So, and then do you have a uh, student loan debt? Cause you said credit card debt specifically, but do you have any other debts?
1: Yeah. So it was a financial decision. One at the time when I was in high school, not pleased with, I wanted to go away for four years and all my friends were going away. And I thought at first I'm going to community college. I'm not going to get a good job. I'm not going to get an internship. It's going to say I went to a community college. I'm going to look stupid. Uh, but in the long run, it was the best decision we made financially. My parents Thankfully, we're able to um, pay for my community college out of pocket. You know, they had saved. And so, you know, because it's obviously cheaper than uh, a university and it was the community college in our town, um, I didn't really have any debt there because, I, I, you know, they were able to pay off every semester up front. And that then led to me um, going to the university. And yes, I do have debt, but the debt that I have, while it's a lot, it's not as much as, you know, my sister who just graduated from um a private college and is probably close to 100,000 in debt, including having a presidential scholarship. So, my, my debt is about 25,000, 26,000 um, for the two years at school, including you know room and board and all of that stuff. Which, hearing some other people who went to the same school for four years or even other public universities who have much more, um, I realized that it was a good decision. But it's still it's still a lot, and um, you know, obviously. You know, um, my parents have helped where they can and stuff, but it was a good decision because you know everyone I talked to about it, they said, "Oh, that's so smart financially." You know, so I've realized now it was the best decision to make. So,
0: all right. So now I want to focus this conversation on Rye Entertainment LLC because you have Rye, the news guy, which you said you've done since 2015. This LLC is is newer, and your your current talk show. First off, what does Rye Entertainment LLC do?
1: So, Rye Entertainment LLC is is my production company, Ryan Entertainment, but I became an LLC, a limited liability company because obviously I wanted to be an official business, but I was starting to pay people. Money was starting to get involved and I wanted to obviously protect myself. Rye Entertainment LLC is what encompasses my producing ventures, my hosting ventures. It hosts ryethenewsguy.com and all of my talk shows that I do, both the digital Live with Rye and then my in-person Broadway talk show at Bar 9 Live with Ryan Friends on Broadway. It's basically my main company to sort of funnel everything through and have as, you know, sort of my general production company. But I wanted to make it, wanted to be safe and, uh, you know, make it an LLC before my first project I produced in the summer. So it's an entertainment company and, you know, houses, you know, everything I do. And of course, any projects I produce, including working with others in my consulting and coaching. stuff.
0: Okay. So when when did you decide to make the LLC and and why did you pick LLC? And then you said you wanted it up before your first show in summer 2021. So when did you actually form it?
1: Ryan Entertainment has been around for about a year. I formed the LLC in the beginning of July of 2021. You know, I was going back and forth between an LLC and a DBA. And I'm part of a few groups, uh, you know, creative entrepreneur groups where we've had this conversation about what is best and sort of assessing of what I was going to be doing with it. And I was a few weeks out from the show I was producing, uh, the song cycle And in sort of consulting with friends of mine, but also the LLC was better. And a lot of this is so confusing to me, but I'm a single member LLC, which means it's just me tax wise, it was better. I spoke with my tax accountant and I also spoke with a dear friend of mine who's a, a lawyer and you know, in talking sort of about what I was doing. She's like, you want to be an LLC. And then that was in the beginning of July and the end of July, July 31st, I produced the song cycle, the parts I keep inside of the triad theater. And we had incredible performers and musicians, but I knew I was going to be paying people. I wanted to make sure everything was kosher, which I always do, but being an LLC just protects you even more. I knew it was important before then to have that. LLC made. And I did that then.
0: So just to clarify here a little bit, which is that being the single member LLC means that your taxes just sort of pass through you. Mm -hmm. You're not really doing your taxes any differently than if you hadn't formed the LLC. Correct. So somebody could do some of these producing things without forming the LLC. Yes. But you wanted that extra level between you and whatever event you're producing.
1: The extra level. Also, I wanted the the liability factor of just, you know, as I said, starting to do different things you know, an LLC protects you more. I'm as honest as they come and a great person, but you have to just be safe. And also I know too, you know, with what we do, you know, there's expenses and stuff. I wanted, to, I felt like an LLC for me was easier to have for business wise and business expenses and everything in between. Um, and yeah, my taxes are still, are still the same from what I understand. I just will, you know, fill out things for, expenses for my production company. And and you can do a DBA. You don't have to do a a doing business as, you know, which I could still technically even do with, let's say, ridethenewsguy.com. I just wanted to become an official business and wanted to get it off the ground. And also it seemed a little bit more like fancy to say, oh, I'm an LLC, but I wanted to also at the end of the day, be protected in the long run.
0: Yeah. And you said you talked to your accountant. And since this company has only been around for a year, you haven't actually filed taxes for it yet?
1: Correct. So I will, you know, in this in the next or a few weeks, as we get into sort of tax prep, you know, I'll be filing taxes with it uh, for the first
0: time. Okay. And your accountant has told you, yeah, I'll file your taxes with your LLC and you As part of your taxes.
1: Yes. And I have to say the tax person I use is thanks to you. I use your recommendation. All right. Shout out, shout out to Trudy Duran and Associates. (laughs) I'm just going to plug them real quick. They were wonderful. Um, The person who I work with there is very, very helpful. And um, yeah, so we're, they're, they're helping me with my taxes and make sure everything is like kosher and explain everything. I used them last year and I didn't have the LLC, but it was very easy process and um, explained, you know, because last year was so weird with incomes and stuff. So it was it was definitely, um, it's been a learning process for sure because I'm i not good with math. I'm not good with complicated scenarios. So it's a lot of times it's like learning or calling them or calling friends that I know in the industry or talking with other people like, how do you do this? Or is this, because I, you know, while I'm creative, uh, this the sort of the money and the numbers, it, it, it's a lot for me.
0: All right. And I want to give a shout out to Artistic Finance for connecting you to an accountant. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ethan.
0: I'm not a financial expert at all. But anyone listening has any financial questions of any sort, you can always email artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com, regardless of what the question is, and I just might have the answer.
1: You you are very, very smart, <laughs> Ethan. You know so much. And so I, I encourage people to ask that because you do know such a lot and uh, you're helping so many people with this.
0: Oh, I absolutely love it. I connected you. Oh, oh, I feel so good right now.
1: Yeah, it was great. It was so great. They were responsible and and knew exactly what I needed. So they, you know. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. So before this LLC, you've already filed taxes previously. Have you itemized in previous years? Yes,
1: I had previously because there was a time where I was working at home. And so, you know, I had sort of, you know, you do the itemized with your like apartment and everything and, you know, your phone and, and everything. Yes, I had itemized, but not terribly too much. My taxes were always very simple. Very easy. I think 2020 taxes were sort of the first year I itemized because that was when I truly first became a uh, independent contractor with what I was doing. so, but it was not complicated, and there wasn't that much to do. so
0: because I, I figure you have some idea of what you can itemize what you can't, because I found that to be a little bit of a learning curve because a lot of my mentors had said, "Oh, save this receipt, you can write it off." And then later when I was doing my taxes, I realized, oh no, I can't write that off. That was a waste of time saving that receipt. Again, to plug Artistic Finance, episode 44 with Corey Paddock, we go through all the itemizations. It's a semi-boring episode. However, we do cover every single line item that artists can sort of write off. If anybody wants to sort of review all that or think about that since tax time is already upon us again.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, and that's and I and that has been the biggest thing for me is I want to make sure I do everything right and I'm so scared of like sort of the tax man. I don't want to be audited, so I do I'm always checking and like even you know asking others who do this, who do have an LLC or sort of do what I'm doing, but a more advanced level, like, can I write this off? Or if I do this and they'll say like, oh, that's a business expense. Make sure you keep that or keep that track of that or so. And, but as you said, realizing too, what is a business expense and what you can um, itemize and whatnot.
0: Your LLC, when you formed it, uh, is it formed in New York City? Yeah,
1: New York State.
0: Yes. New York State. And did you get help forming it or did you file all the paperwork yourself? So,
1: it's funny you say this. I was going back and forth with I was really heavily leaning on getting help with it. Going to pay over $700 to have like a legal zoom or someone help me did a lot, a lot of research and realized at the end of the day, how simple it was to do on your own. And again, me overanalyzing and stressing, didn't realize how simple it was. So thankfully, I just ended up doing it myself, sort of sat at the computer one night, really focused, went through the process myself. You know, it involved obviously looking up some YouTube videos of, you know, how do you go about this or Googling it to make sure I was doing the right process. But I ended up doing it myself and saved me a lot of money uh, in the long run.
0: It's definitely easier to have somebody else do it. But it is simple enough that you can do it yourself. It really is. And, and New York City specific question, because I have an LLC in New York City and you have to sort of publish yourself in these newspapers. Right. Did you do that?
1: No, I actually wasn't required to do that. I, and I, it was something I was really concerned about. And I spoke with the state, sort of the requirement of any LLC, which I think is such. I'll just say BS because it's especially for new businesses who are trying to get up and running and you got to be published in newspapers and publications and pay all this money for like, I think it's what, like nine weeks or something or 10 weeks. There's a clause in the the New York state website that says, you know, unless you are a theatrical production company and you are producing, and and I can't remember the exact wording, but I do know, like if you are a theatrical production company that produces events, you are not required to do this. Now, this was on the New York state website. I called the, I think it was the department of labor just to confirm. And I spoke with someone and I said, I just want to be sure, like, I want to get this in writing that I do not have to both for the city and state kosher wise have to publish. She said, no, you do not with what you are doing. And because it also has, I think, entertainment in the name, if you, if you have to have like entertainment or production or theatrical in the name, you're also not required to as well. So that was, that was good. A lot, of, but a lot of people didn't know that either. When I did my, um, uh, after I filed my LLC with the state, I got a registered agent to sort of, you know, when you file an LLC, you need to, you can ha- choose to have your like address out there publicly or have a registered agent address where they sort of are your address where, and they take care of your business stuff. And you know, every year or two years, they will follow up with you about the necessary paperwork um, they even were like, "Oh, you have to do the the publications." I said, "Oh, no, you know." So, and even my tax person was like, "Oh, I think you have to do a publication." And um, they didn't realize that you know, uh, you know. After speaking with the state, as I said, and I spoke with two people there, and they said, "No, it wasn't required." So
0: that's awesome. So I formed an LLC by doing it myself in New York City, and I did publish in the papers, and it is BS. <laughs> it is, <laughs> but mine, yours is production company. Mine is was for lighting design. Okay, like clearly it was entertainment it wasn't really clear for the design element of that because I was like, well, I'm not actually producing the entertainment myself. Right. It was very clear on the literature. Since I wasn't clear myself on whether I counted as that, I just did the publishing requirements, which was a couple hundred dollars. Like It was like 200 per newspaper. That adds $400. I was
1: going to say, it's expensive, right? And how many did you have to do? Two, right?
0: You have to do two- and you have to do it for nine weeks. And the reason it's BS is because you just contact these newspapers and they know the requirements. And so they sort of give you the language in the minimum amount of words already. And they're like, here's our prepackaged announcement of your LLC. It's
1: crazy. I mean, you want to say, did you get any business from it? I mean, did anybody reach out from it? Oh, um, no,
0: absolutely. A- absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't know why that requirement. It is a crock. <laughs> yes, I
1: agree. So majorly. you have an
0: accountant. Is all your work now, since you formed the LLC, have you run every single piece of work that you've gotten money for income for? Have you run it through your LLC? Uh,
1: for the most part, if it's work related that is dealing with Rye Entertainment, it is through Rye Entertainment LLC, through my um, business bank account. So for instance, with my show that I do, my live show, you know, I have to sometimes pay the, um, you know, sometimes I pay the accompanist, you know, um, and so like that is taken out of my, you know, uh, right, Ryan Entertainment LLC bank account. I have an assistant that's part time, sort of as needed. That's a business thing, so like pay her. When I just did my last show um, in November of 2021 the, at 54 below, uh, in every expenses wise, in you know booking the rooms, paying the credible cast, you know um, anything sort of production wise with that was paid through um, you know the the production company. But there are times where you know obviously you know, uh, for, you know, I like transportation wise, maybe not, or, you know, you don't have the money in there cause you want to make sure it's set for something else. So uh, I try as best as I can to make sure, like, if this is fully something that is 100% Ryan entertainment based, I, I put it through the LLC, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And your LLC business checking account, is it sort of like, that's your pool of money and you just, each project you do will pull from that pool as needed, or how do you separate your budgets for your different projects?
1: I didn't really go into it when I opened the account really with a budget. Um, I I just, I opened the business account. So I had it. What I I try to do is sort of any income that I do get from any project goes into there. Um, And I do try to sort of make everything that I have to pay out sort of through there as the checking account. Um, But it depends. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough because as I said, I don't, you know, uh, there are times where I have, you know, a budget for stuff, but other times, you know, for instance, and like, I'm still waiting on a check to be cashed from July from the musicians union. And that's a decent amount. And so like have to make sure that that amount has still been sitting in the account, local 802, that, that amount is sitting in the account. So it obviously doesn't bounce, but aside from that, sometimes, you know, Yes, yeah, so you have a lot of money in there, sometimes not. That's sort of the balancing act of, you know, figuring it out. And for a while, I wasn't sure, like, well, could I transfer money from my personal account into there if I you know wanted to use my money as a, I, I'm paying for this thing, but instead of using my personal debit card, I will transfer it to my business account. You know, figuring that out is also sort of a challenge too.
0: So you sort of use the business checking per production, but you sort of add the money as needed? Versus keeping the Rye Entertainment fund there.
1: Yes, I mean the really honestly the the funds that are in the Rye Entertainment LLC are is any money that I have received from you know, a show that I do at Bar Nine or any income I've made from the two producing projects I've done, my coaching and consulting. Um, you know the, those payments go into there, and then it sort of is used as a general overall. You know they go in, and then I put X amount of money in because I just recently. Did a show that did well or i you know but then i have to obviously now pay my assistant for something or i have something came up or i took someone to lunch and for a project and obviously you know I use that card and so so it's sort of like a it's, it's a checking account but for the business stuff so as yes as i put money into it for projects that i do i also you know have to use that for for things uh business wise too
0: you file the paperwork yourself how much money did it require of you to sort of open the LLC, get your business going? Like if somebody else was thinking, oh, I should open that one up myself.
1: I think the total I paid was forever. And this includes the registered agent fee was I think 350. So it's about to file through the state of New York on your own for an LLC. I want to say it's about 200 to 250 for the actual certifying you are an LLC and all of that. And then, as I said, I chose a registered agent because I didn't want You know, I don't have an office I just right now have my apartment and I didn't want my apartment to be out there, you know, publicly for, uh, you know, because when you create an LLC, you do have to put an address on file. You know, you could choose, you know, if you have an office, great, you can use your office address and that's public. But since I work out of my apartment, I didn't want my apartment information out there. So I use the registered agent and I think they were like 100 or 150 for the year. And, uh, you know, very, very reasonable and they sort of took care of everything. So it was about 350 and again, saved me what would have probably been another 400 and some dollars had I used like a legal zoom or sort of another companies that I was looking at to help me still a lot, you know, but it was much less than I thought and um, saved in the long run. I would say for those who are trying to do that, that would probably be the best way to just do it yourself spend the 200 or 250 through the state, and then obviously choose your best course from there. But do your research first.
0: All right. Now, 2021, of course, was during pandemic, but that is also the year you formed your LLC. So how did you make income in 2021? Or how did Rye Entertainment LLC make income in 2021?
1: I will say it didn't make a ton of income, um, but the income that it did make was through my project. So for instance, the first really income it made was from the parts I keep inside the the song cycle, the Triad Theater, which sold out. You know, at the end of the day after I paid everyone out and fixed up expenses, there was income from that. And then, obviously, in September of that year, I started my in-person talk show, Live with Ryan Friends on Broadway, which is every Thursday at Bar Nine in Hell's Kitchen. I make money through tips if people want to donate, and then also the bar, like I get a certain percentage. People that come in, you know, I get a, like 10% from the bar, so not a lot, but any income from that then went into Riot. Then the sort of the next income was in november when i did my show at 54 below was from that and so that was really the income that came in obviously there was a few times i have a few coaching clients so obviously there's some income from that so those are sort of the main things it was you know the two producing projects the show in person the weekly talk show and then uh, the few sort of clients that i have as sort of how i made my income in 2021 as like with all businesses first year i didn't make hardly anything but That's okay. I am. You know, it was I'm learning and obviously doing other things to make money in the meantime for myself to survive, of course, you know, so.
0: All right. The tips from bar nine show Mm -hmm. now tips are this whole thing of like, don't run the money through the government so they don't get their cut. Right. Do you take that money and put it into your business account? Or do you not?
1: Okay. So when I say tips, it's literally, I mean, since we don't get paid, it's like all of the, fr nine, all of their shows, they do there. It's like Venmo, you know, if you love what you see, Venmo, you know, they're, they're doing pianos, the mask musicals. It's like, here's our Venmo, Venmo us. If you love what you see. So anything I make there, should I be saying this? But I do, yes, I, I transfer right to my account because it's, I mean, it's not, the show is still up and running. I'm not making, you know, thousands of dollars a show or hundreds of dollars a show. So yes, I put that right into my business account because anything I make from there goes right into it from the tips wise. It's not like it'd be different. I think if I was a server there or if I was serving or bartending, um, you know, because I've done that for six years too at places, but no, uh, any of the tips sort of I make, and I've been sort of advised from people like, no, that's your money. I I put it into my account. I do count that as income, um, but I was told recently actually from a friend who's a professional producer and she's, you know, much more advanced than I am that you know, you don't really have to count those as as, as your income because it's tips, but I just throw it into my uh, account. So, I mean, that's the hard thing for me is, is just trying to figure, is trying to figure out like what is, is considered income, what is not right. It's like, when I get those, the tips from the evening or even, you know, my percentage cut, it's like, the, the, obviously the tips wise, it's like, sometimes it's 25 bucks. Sometimes it's you know $50. Do I count that as income? And then on my sheet at home, you know, put that, that, Oh, okay. I Ryan Entertainment has made $50 and that's like income for the year. Or is it just to sort of go into the bank account and you have that extra, you know, and it's not income because it was a tip. So it's, it is a sort of I'm trying to understand it, you know, because it is, it can, it gets confusing. It really, all of this really does get confusing. I will say
0: my rule of thumb that is not official and I'm sure is illegal. Is that if it's under six hundred dollars, you don't really need to keep track of it because if it's six hundred or more, yes, whoever gives you that six hundred dollars is supposed to send you a 1099.
1: Yes. And that was something that, and again, thank you again to for recommending me about with your tax person because that was something when I was doing my two projects and I was speaking with her about like, hey, you know, I have the LLC and her big thing, in which I knew, like you said. If you're paying anyone over $600 in any form, you need to 1099 them at the end of the year. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. And I won't have to do that this year because I didn't pay anyone over $600. But yes, you're right. Anything over 600. So I guess that also includes for like, you know, income like that. You have to get 1099 for. So yeah, it is 600 because I've heard that from a lot of people, including my tax person. So
0: Because I'm also, this is totally a weird tangent. We're buying a piece of art from a friend the art is going to be $3,000. I said to this artist, do you want, you know, do I need to send you a 1099 or, and he was like, well, I'm just going to gift you this art. And then you gift me that money because you can gift up to $15,000 and it's not considered income. It feels really uh, not kosher to me, but that's sort of what we're playing. Now I just outed it we're both going to get dinged by the irs for whatever <laughs> this transaction is going to be
1: right right right
0: but yeah so it's a so it's it's sort of like technically you could be like you know tips don't count because one they're under six hundred dollars and also they're gifts and everybody is allowed to gift you fifteen thousand dollars but i don't know anyway you're doing great Ryan. thank you thank you you did the in-person shows uh live at bar nine in 2021 before i get to that You mentioned coaching. So what is the coaching that you do?
1: Just to real quick backtrack. Yes, I did the shows in 2021. They are resuming in 2022, actually starting again this Thursday and every sort of Thursday going forward, Live with Ryan Friends on Broadway. The Broadway Talk Show is continuing. But yes, the coaching. So I coach and consult um, creatives in all aspects, helping them to build their brand, help to produce a project, grow a a platform. I've talked to some great people who kind of want to do what I do, you know, oh, how do I interview a celebrity or I'm a writer and I want to write a blog about theater or about sort of music. How did you get your website up? How did you? And so I work with people of of all sorts, getting them to, you know, their projects off the ground from sort of page to, to actual something, helping them to market and get in with sort of press people and marketing companies and, you know, sort of my connections that I know and sort of everything in between. I'm, as I said, it's been great. A few people who sort of were doing what I do, wanting to create a website platform Blog-wise or stuff, and sort of saying, you know, how do you do it, or how did you start, or you know, how did you interview this person, or um, how could I do that? You know, where do you find their information? So I've learned that you know a lot of people do always come to me and say, like, how do you do what you do, or I, I want to learn that, and I you know always tell people, uh, but then in working with my life coach or my career coach, and uh, you know they've said, you know, you should everybody's really today is coaching and consulting. And like, if people are asking you for stuff, give that to them, but give them as a service. And so, you know, as as, as a coach, as a, as a consultant in, in the creative world, I taking my six plus years of everything I've done in digital, in live stuff and helping them. So I've grown, you know, I've helped people to sort of start projects. Ideally, the would love to join on as a project as a consulting producer, you know, to sort of come on and use my expertise on a project that's sort of off the ground, whether it's a continual run at a cabaret venue or an off-Broadway or even a Singer, sort of person that I can come on and help to consult them with, you know, marketing, with press, with ideas for ticketing and everything um, that, you know, they might need. That is obviously would be a a great dream to do. So,
0: who is your life coach?
1: I use, uh, yes, I will plug him. My life coach is Brett Schuford, Broadway life coach, but he's actually now rebranded to the creative life coach. He is incredible, incredible, not only just a kind human being, but has taught me so much. I mean, in this last year since we started last January. Everything has grown in the way that I do things of how I go about things. My life has truly changed because of working with him. And I uh, was hesitant at first, uh, you know, because I was somebody that was like, oh, you know, he's coaching people like they just want to you know, take you for all your worth. And, you know, they don't teach you anything. Obviously, that was narrow minded of me. And Brett has just changed my life. And uh, he's really well known in the industry. And for those anybody who's, you know, uh, look into him for sure. If, you know, they're if you're advanced.
0: The, the name again, one more time. Brett Schuford. Is his name, Brett
1: Shuford, creative life coach.
0: And I assume he has different tiers, et cetera. But what do you pay for his life coaching?
1: Uh, he does have different tiers uh, as far as, you know, what pricing Yeah, it's like in a monthly. So it's sort of a different month thing. You know, you could do like a, or sorry, it's a session. So it's like you could do three sessions or six sessions. I pay about uh, depending on what I can afford sort of for that time. I'm saying this this prices could change. I This is what I pay. If it's different, don't quote me on it, people for three sessions, it was about like 400 and something Um, six sessions, which I did do once was about eight something. And then if you do 12 sessions or 10 sessions, it's I think 1500 Um, of course, it's the better value to do more, you know, do the 1500, but in trying to figure out things in income, I was like, ah, 1500. So I was sort of doing the three courses and spreading it out. There was a few times I did do the eight courses. It, it varies. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing those numbers, just because... Of course. I, th- I think it's important for people to know like what exactly it is, because of course there's coaches that cost $500,000 a session yeah. or something. Like, <laughs> right. like there's right. there's every every range. And we've touched on this a little bit on the show, which is I'm realizing that I need classes and I need coaches, because if you're just sort of wandering through life, like with Artistic Finance, on the previous episode, I mentioned that I want to hire a podcast coach. And, and I don't have plans right now, but that's actually why I'm asking the questions of you, because I'm thinking, oh, I need to not take it to the next level. But if you want to grow and expand, you need help from others. You, there's no doing it on your own, because the only way you can you can sort of reach a lot of people is if you have celebrity status. And even when even when celebrities do something like come out with a makeup line or something and it's like, oh, that's hugely successful because they have X million followers already, but the reality is they're not making that makeup. They're not doing any of the advertising for the makeup. That's all a team of people. And and actually compliments to you because I've sort of I've known you for a little bit over a year. I've actually seen you take thenewsGuy.com and now get into the live events and start doing all this. So I have actually seen well I didn't know you were coaching or being coached until right now. I have I have seen your growth over a year and it's quite impressive.
1: Well, I owe a lot of it, as I said, to my coach Brett Shuford, and um, you know we all need coaching in some way or another. And I think that that's what I have learned. Is as you said, you were you know you're looking for a podcast coach, and there are people out there with this expertise, and you don't realize it because everyone you know, but everyone has something to offer, and I think there's room at the table for everyone. And if you have something that you can offer a service-wise to others and help them, and it will help them to grow and be better, that's what it's all about. And you know, and that's why I started with my coaching. You know, I want to be able to give what I have, which sometimes my self doubt kicks in where I'm like, I don't know anything. What do you mean? I'm just, but then you have to come full forward and say, yes, you do know a lot. You've been doing this almost seven years. You know, you, there's so much you can offer to people.
0: So back to your LLC, how do you pay your rent? AKA, how do you pay yourself from the LLC? Or do you,
1: you know, I really don't pay myself right now for the LLC in the sense of, there's income in there that i use for show stuff um i work on the side i do a few side hustles in my personal account and you know i have a part-time job and obviously savings um and so as a sort of true creative i'm working for myself but uh rent and everything i you know pay through sort of the jobs that i do on on the side that are not related to ryan entertainment you know working part-time and stuff like that sort of my savings so I want to hopefully in 2022 get to a point where I am paying myself and making a lot where I'm paying myself and also have enough for the projects. But right now, the money that's in there is solidly just for, you say, expenses. You know, I need to make sure that if I'm going to do something and I have my assistant do it, you know, the money's in there for her or I'm going to pay the accompanist, you know, that the money's in there, Um, you know, so sort of I'm doing it like that. My personal checking and savings is what I use for paying rent and sort of, you know, you know, paydays or paychecks from, you know, things non Ryan Entertainment related.
0: And you've mentioned an assistant. Are they working for you full time? How does that work? And what do they get paid?
1: So, yeah, I have a wonderful, wonderful assistant. She is uh, a college student. I'd be honest with you. I was looking. I needed help. And i somebody that doesn't like to ask for help. Not because I'm stingy. I just always feel like I'm bothering someone and I feel like nobody. And it got to a point, And again, kudos to Brett. Uh, who said, you know, you got to put it out there. There's people who will help you. It's the only way you're going to succeed as a creative. And I could not afford and still at the moment couldn't afford a full-time or even part-time. So I'm looking for someone that could do and sort of as needed, hey, this is what I need you to do. And so I I set out and I, uh, through Friends of mine, um, in sort of some groups that I'm in, they connected me with a university, and uh, I put out that I was looking for, you know, an assistant. This is as needed. It's going to be very inconsistent. Minimum of four hours a week. I think maximum four hours a week. It was 50, I pay 15 an hour, so it's extra income, but it's nothing. You know, it, it, I'm not able to, unfortunately, at the moment, to pay anything great. But it's been a big help because the person who is my assistant, she is learning so much and loves it, and you know, I'm learning to delegate and to get that help. And it's been really worth it. You know, I, I wanted to sort of had something that was lenient, like that, find someone who could help me and understand that, like, listen, there's going to be times where I don't contact you maybe for two weeks, not in a bad way, but just because I've got a lot going on that I'm able to manage. I don't need the help or, or it's been two weeks that I realized that I've stressed myself out so much that I do need to ask for help. And so that's how I did it. And, you know, the university connected me with sort of students who were interested, who, again, a friend of mine who had used. And, uh, you know, I got some resumes and did some sort of Zoom interviews and, um, you know, I have a wonderful assistant and uh, we've met up a few times and she's helped me with some things and she's great. She loves to learn, but also she's, you know, younger. So she's got great ideas too of things that I don't know. And, um, you know, being, I think in her final year of school, she's got things that I do not know about. It's been a help, I hope to, in 2022, sort of make it more of a consistent thing. And hoping, you know, income wise, I can make that sort of more of a consistent thing, because I do see progress when I ask for help and have the assistant help me.
0: Man, I love talking with you, Rye. I know I need help with my show and I do make $73 a month on my Patreon. So I could technically right now hire an assistant for four hours a month, which is nothing and ridiculous, but it would help me.
1: You could and you can also I mean, there's options out there. You don't have to do somebody even in person. There's virtual assistants. I wasn't too keen on because I wanted somebody I could really know. I mean, there are virtual assistants who sort of work in other countries and, you know, I think through uh, like Fiverr and stuff that can help to virtual assistant programs, but I wanted somebody who was sort of understood the industry. So there's options basically, you know, you don't have to, if you're worried about finding someone, there are a lot of great, you know, people out there that can do tasks like that, you know, virtually.
0: And I think I, all my tasks are sort of, I know what I, what needs done. So I think virtual would actually be good for me also, because believe it or not, I'm not a people person. (laughs) Oh, really? So, yeah, I know. I fool people every once in a while, but... I think it'll be virtual for me. So you've mentioned that you produced a concert called The Parts I Keep Inside at the Triad. What was that?
1: So The Parts I Keep Inside was a song cycle that explored the virtues of the human condition through the eyes of the composer Jeffrey Schmelkin as we explored moments of vulnerability, sincerity, embarrassment in an effort to discover the truths that unite us all. Written by Jeffrey Schmelkin, who is a up and coming composer, the song cycle, which for those who don't know, a song cycle is a group of songs, with no dialogue. There's not a musical. It's not a play. It's just songs sort of sung back to back. And they tell us a little bit of a story, but they're all just in one. It was a, it was a hit. And I love the message behind it, you know, as you know, the, the, the true meaning of the parts I keep inside is everything that we keep inside as humans, you know, the embarrassment there's songs in there about like oh my gosh, my first crush or, you know, that embarrassing moment when I saw the person I liked and I, you know, didn't want to tell them I liked them or, you know, finding moments that, you know, I was embarrassed at work or I was scared. And, and it it was, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. We're working on it uh, in the next few weeks in a work session, sort of for the next process, because it was a sold out. We did one night only just to be safe. And because it was our first time sold out, we're moving to the next steps. And it is, a beautiful project that explores really the virtues of the human conditions um, through mind of the composer. But it relates to anybody because you watch it, and you say, oh, this is dealing with grief. This is dealing with anxiety, anxiety I've dealt with, or grief I've dealt with, anger I've dealt with, or you know, embarrassing moments I've dealt with. And that's what drew me to the piece was that, you know, yes, it was through Jeffrey's experiences, but I could relate to almost everyone. And I knew that everyone else, and even the singers and the uh, people in the band felt the same way too. Like it was so, we all were that person. You know, everybody has that experience.
0: You said you're taking it to next step. So what was the purpose of this one night production?
1: The purpose was to get it out there for people to see, put it in front of people. This was, a, it was sort of the, the world premiere. It had never been done before and sort of see what the reception was. What did people think? What was, you know, how did it go? You know, sort of just we wanted to get it out there. And obviously, you know, it was done very well and everyone loved it. It was really great. We wanted to get it out there at one of these venues, basically. And so we got it out there. We got a lot of great feedback. There's next steps that we want to take for it. Um, that you know, Jeffrey has planned and I, you know, I have plans and stuff. So, you know, great effort.
0: Can you walk us through the finances of that just in case anybody listening sort of wants to put on their one night song cycle? Sure. So I'll just ask some basic questions. If you know it, you can say it. If not, you can, you know, push it away. But uh, what were your total costs needed to put that thing up?
1: I, I think our total cost total was about sixteen hundred two thousand was the total cost. Now that I will preface with, we had a GoFundMe. We also, you know, had money from the venue. So we tried to fundraise as much as we could out of, so that wasn't truly just all out of our pocket, you know, Jeffrey and I, because he was my co-producer for it. So that was, I think, the total cost of everything.
0: Okay, you mentioned you got money from the venue. How did the venue, how did that work?
1: Each venue is different. Each venue has their own set of ticket standards or how they pay. For the triad, it was, you know, we set a ticket price and we got, a percentage of that ticket price, if not all of it. And then obviously they took their fee, which like a 30% fee, and then they took a credit card processing fee, which ended up really not being terribly much because we sold out. Their process was, you know, every day you sort of got a box office report of how many tickets you sold. And, and then sort of from what we raised, you know, that was able to help offset to pay us back, but also pay the cast and pay the fees that we had, um, everything altogether, including rehearsals and paying the cast and everything. I think it was about like 1600 to 2000. But it doesn't have to be that much for someone.
0: I'm just going to say 2,000 because that's an easy number for me to think about. How much of those costs did you have to pay before the ticket sales came in?
1: Uh Before the ticket sales came in, I would say, I think upfront, I paid about 550, 500 was four to 500. But again, Jeffrey and I, we split a lot of the costs. You know, we would say, you know, I'll, I'll pay for this and you pay for that. And obviously we'll reimburse ourselves once we get paid back or, you know, so that was, and that was good too. You know, we wanted to make sure every... No nobody was left out in the mud.
0: What was your total income, I guess, from ticket sales after all the fees? Like what money did you actually walk away with? Did you make less than two thousand dollars in the ticket sales so that you lost money, or did you make like twenty one hundred? you know i I don't know how you split it after that with Jeffrey, et cetera.
1: Our total income, no, our income was more than two thousand. I think we did twenty two hundred twenty three hundred was was what we got, something like that, and then obviously, that went out to paying cast and paying everything. And um, so we did make, I mean, because we sold out obviously and we and then we priced the tickets at a point that we you know, were over 2000 that we made. Now that's not what I walked away with, uh, but that's what uh, the show made.
0: And just a little logistics question because you sold out, how many seats can the triad fit?
1: I wanna say it's 110, 110 around that.
0: Yeah, sig- significant, L- larger than off-Broadway venues or off-off-Broadway venues. Yeah,
1: and, uh, yeah it's an off-Broadway venue too, yeah. <laughs>
0: And then did you do any sort of advertisement? Like, did you pay for advertising?
1: I did. Yes, we did. And the advertising consisted of paid Instagram stories, paid Facebook posts. We also had posters made, um, sort of like little like flyers, five by seven flyers that we put up, handed out. So yes, there was advertising that we did. A lot of the advertising was all through social media and email blasts that was as free as we could get, but we did have to do, it's a pay to play in a, in a way, unfortunately, you
0: pay. You, you might have said it, and I wasn't paying attention. Roughly to print those flyers and run those ads, how much money did you put into advertising?
1: It was probably under hundred dollars. You know, it wasn't too much. We didn't have a lot of flyers made. And, um, you know, the ads that we ran you know, we chose it. So we weren't didn't get the really expensive kind, you know,
0: uh, looking back, were there any surprises that happened? Something that just completely blindsided you that you thought, well, I probably could have prepared for that, but didn't know about it.
1: Honestly, the biggest thing was just dealing with the musicians union. We didn't realize going in that uh, because there's no jurisdiction for actors equity in the cabaret space. So we don't have to deal with them. Thankfully, you had we had our music director who was a pianist, part of the union which then apparently made the three other people fall in the union, because if not, then it was discrimination and, and dealing with the union mess and having to pay them. We ended up the total that was being paid to them, which was deserved, but was more than we thought and budgeted for and the paperwork and logistics. So that was a real surprise and sort of understood how that worked.
0: I'm sure you loved your pianists and would have absolutely used them. But would you have gone with a non-union pianist if you knew that going in?
1: I wouldn't, if I knew it was going to be such a mess and it's not their doing, you know, it's not, you know, they had no fault of it of their own. I maybe would have said, let's try for someone who isn't, but this person is beyond talented and um, I don't regret having them at all.
0: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we're all, I assume, very pro union, pro paying people what they're worth, pro. Of course. course. And and unions help with that, where it's like you don't have to necessarily think about, oh, is this what they deserve? Other people have figured that out for us. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Yes. So, but I'm just saying if somebody else is going to do this, that's something they might need to think about big
1: time. And that's, and it, and it depends on the venue, you know, 54 below, for instance, they take care of all the union stuff. You know, you check a box under your contract and they pay them and deal with that. So you're not, you know, you don't have to deal with it, but other places don't. So,
0: okay. Any other lessons that you learned from producing that show?
1: Be flexible, be open, understanding that things are going to happen at the last minute. Try to be prepared for every situation that comes both financially and non but and, and have fun
0: all right well congratulations on doing that on selling it out and making it happen and not losing money oh thank you okay so i've gone a little long but i still want to talk about live with ryan friends on broadway which is your live show on thursdays at 7 30 p.m at bar nine in hell's kitchen
1: it is so i kick off theater thursdays it is a broadway broadway themed talk show it's the only free broadway talk show uh right now in the city There's no covers, no reservations, no minimums. And I talk with Broadway stars, Broadway adjacent people, industry professionals right now, mostly since in 2021, it was all Broadway performers. And so it was, you know, there's live performances. They perform a song or two. There's Broadway trivia where I give away some incredible Broadway prizes that are merchandise related. We've done given away tickets. So it's a good night where you can, in an intimate setting where you can listen to your favorite star hear stories from their past, what they're up to, but also hear them perform songs that maybe they've never performed before. Also enjoy an evening out with friends and maybe even go home with some Broadway swag if you know your Broadway trivia. And and so that's what it is. It's a talk, it's a Broadway talk show. I host it at Bar 9, which is 807 Ninth Ave between 53rd and 54th. And then after me is uh, Masks and Musicals, Broadway Karaoke, which they were there before i was but i kick off with the talk show and then it goes into uh, people singing their heart out for the night so
0: correct me if i'm wrong on this if anybody listening wants to meet rye and wants to attend one of these shows and wants one free drink they can volunteer to pass out flyers in front of the venue on thursdays
1: Thank you. Yes. Yes. I'm looking for, yes, currently for street team, get the word out. We have flyers that are, that I've made, you know, to stand outside, uh, stand at the corner, give to people as they walk by and be excited. Talk about the guests, talk about why they should come in. But right now it is unpaid. But the perk is you get a free drink, first round of free drink. And then obviously soft drinks are free. And you get to enjoy uh, an evening, you know, uh, of supporting and helping to support a show and see a great performer. You know, if it's somebody that you really like to, you'll get to meet them afterwards. And, you know, I am forever grateful. So yes, yeah, so you get a free drink. If you're not a drinker, you can have, you know, free soda, or whatever. So just, you know, reach out to me because I'm currently looking for help with that.
0: Okay. None of my listeners are non-drinkers, just for the record. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sure some of them are out there. Um, all right. Well, Rye, thank you so much for being here. I want to wrap up before I let you go. Where can people connect with you? You
1: can. can yes, people can connect with me on social media at rye r y e underscore myers on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and then official rye myers on Facebook. Instagram is where I'm most active ryethenewsguy.com, ryethenewsguy.com and ryeentertainment.com, ryeentertainment.com. Reach out, shoot me a DM, whatever you want to talk about, or if you have a question or you want to learn more, um, I always try my best to follow back and, you know, keep up with everyone. So, but I'm most active on Instagram and, um, you know, keep up with me. As I said, you know, ryethenewsguy.com though has everything. And as I like to say, it's rye with an E, like Liza with a Z.
0: That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are you can open an LLC on your own, life is easier with an accountant, a one-night cabaret that pays all participants can be produced for $2,000 or less, and paying for coaching and assistance will be necessary to grow. I'm repeating that last point for myself, paying for coaching and assistance will be necessary to grow. So what did you think of today's interview? Let me know by commenting on LinkedIn or email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. To my patrons, yes, that's you if you're a patron, thank you for supporting me from 2021 into 2022. It's been a crazy ride for the live event industry, and I thank you for throwing a few of your hard-earned dollars my way. Now, since this is artistic finance and our goal is to destigmatize money talk, I'm going to kick off this year by sharing our show's finances with you. So, our total monthly income is $133 before taxes. Our total monthly expenses are $90. So, that leaves us $43 a month that we're making. Now, the expenses I mentioned don't take into account the $600 microphone I bought and some other miscellaneous expenses, which if we added that all up would put us in the red. We also have never paid anyone who has helped with any of the work on the show. In the past that's been editing, that's the website, and of course the intro and outro music and voiceovers. So far I've paid for all expenses out of pocket, so the Patreon pool from the past three years sits at $1,319.45. So in 2022, my hope is to use that money to get new theme music, to hire some assistants, and or hire a coach or consultant to help grow the show. I'll type up a more detailed expense sheet and post it on Patreon. If you're a patron, don't look for it just yet, but it will be forthcoming at patreon.com artisticfinance. I just wanted to take a minute and give that update so that I can do my part in having an honest money conversation. Now if you're listening and you're not a patron yet, but you want to help support the show, I invite you to make a pledge at patreon.com/artisticfinance. Tiers start at $3 a month. You get early access to episodes, a private podcast feed, and since I listed Artistic Finance as a business on LinkedIn, you can list yourself as a producer on your LinkedIn profile. Visit patreon.com artisticfinance And if you aren't ready to join our Patreon producers, please remember our optional fee for listening, and that is to tell someone about the show. Share this episode with your BFF and let them know why you listen. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. Have a happy new year, and until next time, break a leg.
1: Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.